live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. And away we go for the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle. 5.02, starting to get dark out there early. Oh, I meant to bring this up uh, with Matt, with Matt Joseph. I think he and I are both of the, the same ilk here, that December 21 is another holiday day for us. For those of you who don't like that it gets so dark so early in the afternoon, December 21, right, is the, uh, from, from the Almanac perspective, anyway, is that winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. And then after that, the days start to, you know, they creep along, but start to stay a little bit lighter, a little bit later. I mean, I know you got to get really past January and February for it to really make any difference, but it does start to happen at least. I actually looked it up. It's 10.27 p.m. Thursday night will be the winter solstice, shortest day of the year, and then starting on Friday the 22nd, the days will start to get longer again. So that's something to celebrate along with Christmas and New Year's. Matt and I have had that conversation a few times. We both look forward to that day as well. All right, I look forward to the 5 o'clock hour today and tomorrow's program as well. And then that is it for the Sports Huddle for 2023 between Spider Basketball, Holidays, Bowl Games, and we are your bowl headquarters. Your bowl station. Alan's done a great job of putting together a long list of all the great bowl games here on 1061 ESPN. Uh, Tomorrow will be it for me until we get into the first week week in january actually probably about january 4th before i'm i'm actually back on the air with the sports huddle so let's try and connect and catch up today or tomorrow 804-327-0888 he has waited through the uh, sports center update and the commercial break at the top of the hours let me go right to the phones chris thanks for hanging on as long as you did for listening and for calling in how are you hey bob how you doing good a couple things for you the first one um I think the Who is going to win easy tonight. I know everybody's saying that you know, Memphis is a good team. They're, they're a tough team, but if ECU pretty much had Memphis on their back, I think UVA should go in there and handle them. Do you think, I'm, you think there's a little too looking forward past, looking past Memphis? No, I I think Virginia's playing really well right now. I think they're starting to play the way Tony Bennett um, wants them to play. And I just looked real quick. Memphis is actually three and a half point favorite tonight. And I think a lot of that probably comes from being being at home uh, more than anything. And as Matt mentioned, first true road game for the Cavaliers tonight. But I like I like Virginia tonight as well. I think their style. I think the way guys like you know Beekman is playing and McNeely is shooting the ball. Um, you know, I I, I like I'm with. Yeah, I don't know that it will be an easy win tonight, but I do think Virginia kind of guts this one out tonight, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Saturday's performance had something to do. I mean, credit, yeah, it was probably the worst game that Virginia's played. I mean, other than Wisconsin, I think that was just a, a fluke thing. Yeah, we yep. wouldn't lose that bad even if we played them. But in Northeastern, well, I don't think we really, I mean, played. I think we just kind of took that one for granted, but definitely think they're going to rebound better in Memphis. 
they almost, did. Chris, Chris, I would say that was almost the perfect scenario if you're the coach, if you're Tony Bennett. You don't lose the game. You certainly didn't want that to happen. But you get everybody's attention, not only because of the final score of that game, but what you're going to do in practice the next couple of days after that. So I'm with you. And I think sometimes human nature is your toughest opponent. And I'm with you. I think, you know, finals were going on. Northeastern's not a great team. Memphis is on the horizon. Christmas break is coming. And they found a way to win it. So I'm with you on that one, and I think it actually helps them tonight. It does. It does. And one last thing while I got you. I didn't get to tune in yesterday. I was uh, listening, but I'm absolutely disgusted in my Cowboys. <laughs> well, I'm absolutely <laughs> disgusted in my Eagles. So, you know, both of us are kind of in a Grinch mood here at the holidays then. But, yeah, Buffalo kind of took it to them. The Cowboys have been totally different team on the road than they've been at home. So you're disgusted with your Cowboys, and I'm disgusted with my Eagles. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles are on the downside, too. I mean, it, it's just looking like San Francisco is walking away with this thing, as much as I hate to say it. But the Eagles aren't the same team. And I know the Eagles have had a – five to six weeks, and Hurts wasn't really the healthiest Sunday, so you got to account for that some. But Dallas just flat out didn't show up Sunday, and it was embarrassing. I mean, it is it was a joke. No, I, I'm with you. They, they were not in that game from the start. Obviously, I watched it with a lot of interest. And, again, just a – well, certainly a different team than we saw them, you know, pummel Philadelphia a, a week or so before that. But um, – you know, so we'll see who wins that division because obviously the the home games that they can get before you get to San Francisco in the playoffs will be vital to to teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles. And don't leave the Lions out of this thing either. Oh no, not and then the Dallas still has to play them. I wouldn't be yes. shocked if we lost out. You know, that's two hard games, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. I was I was actually on the I guess you call it the deck bandwagon for MVP, but after Sunday. I think that that ruined any case of him getting MVP. Just how, you know, I, I mean, I didn't. Ex- I thought Buffalo would be a tough game. We might lose it, but to go in there and get you know, flattened out like we did, and he didn't even you know make a dent in the game. I think that kind of ruined MVP case for him, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I I think Brock Purdy might be the leading candidate at this point for sure. Who do they? They've got what? They've got the Dolphins in Miami, and then Detroit, as you mentioned, and then you know finish it finish at Washington. So they need that safety net of Washington in that last game of the year. But the next two weeks are going to tell you something there, Chris. Right at Miami, and then the Lions at home. Yeah, I don't really feel confident about the Miami one. Tyree Kill be back. I don't feel super confident about that. I do think. Detroit's a little bit better. They t- they seem to be pretty inconsistent at times. You know, they look, Detroit looks like a Super Bowl team one week, and then next week they struggle to beat the Bears. So, um, you know, that one can be a coin flip, but the Miami one is going to be another concerning game. Absolutely. Chris, thanks for the call. Really good stuff on a couple of great subjects on Virginia basketball and the NFL and the Cowboys and all that. Have a happy holidays, my friend. Yes, sir. You too. Go Hoos. All right, go who's tonight against Memphis. Uh, I'm glad to see some really good college games are are back on the back on the docket again once we got through that uh, exam break for the for the players and now they'll get a game in here before they get a little holiday break and then we'll really get into it and uh, conference play will really get into full force uh, once we get uh, past Christmas really there are some conference games in fact before we even get to 
before we even get to New Year's and into 2024. Um, just in case you're, we're talking about the, the Lions as well, we mentioned the, the Cowboys' remaining schedule is at Miami, Detroit, and at Washington. The um, Lions' remaining schedule is at Minnesota, uh, not necessarily a given, then at Dallas, and then they finish at home with Minnesota. So the NFL really seems to like these division matchups and play them twice in the last three weeks of the season, right? Detroit and Minnesota are playing twice in the last three weeks. They're playing Christmas Eve in Minnesota, and then they're playing in Detroit uh, the last week of the regular season, and then they get Dallas sandwiched in between. Philadelphia's got the two games against the Giants with Arizona sandwiched in between. The schedule's definitely favorable for the Eagles still to win uh, the division um, because of because the remaining schedule. I think it's kind of interesting. I was listening on the Sports Center to Jeff Saturday. I feel like the national media people right now, anyway, have much more confidence in Philadelphia than the Philadelphia media people do, which is, you know, also kind of human nature to be expected as well, that the Eagles will, will find a way out of this thing, and I really think they will, although I thought last night – was a crossroads game, as I mentioned, for them, and they failed at that. Uh, failed by giving up that lead late and losing to Seattle. And it's just inexplicable. They lost again to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is now 8-0 and against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, he's a good coach and all, but he shouldn't be 8-0 against anybody, let alone my team for sure let me squeeze one more in here before we get to the uh to the break uh reggie i'm not going to make you wait as long as i made chris wait um how are you today reg you sound a little poorly there bob i'm worried about your title now. i'm worried Grinch. about your title now. get your chin up get your chin up i'm worried about you. <laughs> yeah i need a little holiday cheer reggie i need a little holiday cheer Get a little eggnog, snap yeah. back to the E&J. <laughs> to the EZG. I'll give you some Tennessee whiskey and strawberry wine, like my man does. But, Bob, I like I, real quick, I'm going to throw this at you. This young coach played for the San Diego Chargers back in 1991, and I'm saying that he's going to be the next head coach of the San Diego Chargers, and that's Eric the Enemy. I'm already calling, huh. calling him a shot right now. Huh. He's going to hightail it out of there. Number one, you have a uh, franchise quarterback. You got a decent defense already. And look, Bob, how the Kansas City Chiefs receivers and their offense has sputtered since Eric Bieniemy has left. Nobody wants to say that. You know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, Andy Reid doing a great job. But uh, the beginning of training camp, what did the Burden go receivers say? He's too mean on us. He's too hard on us. We can't take this 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 extra hard coach. Now we see who was a good cop and who was a bad cop with the Kansas City Chiefs. Help me out, Bob. This you is what are, I'm looking at from afar. Reggie, you are finishing the year with a bang. I love everything <laughs> that you just said because I, you know you've been listening. I have said since the beginning of this thing, Eric Bieniemy is not going to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. Okay. It wasn't going to happen before Sam House struggled and before they I, they were just going to clean house new owners. They didn't hire him in the first place, and they're going to bring in their own guy. So that was point one. And now that the San Diego okay. job has opened up i think that makes an awful lot of sense that the enemy to use your great phrase will hightail it 
out of the nation's capital and go to the other coast. I am on board with that one, Reggie. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm calling my shot. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm jumping hey, on your hey, bandwagon hey. on that one. Absolutely. And, and real quick, and tell Bruce his 76 is oh, y'all 76 is <laughs> talking junk about a certain guy that was overweight. Hey, the L.A. Clippers doing pretty good right now, aren't they? I'm I haven't saying. even looked. I haven't even looked. <laughs> Come on I'm now. I'm just saying, Bruce, I got a call. A shout across my own old Bruce with the well, association. I dare you to call him and get me, Bruce. I dare you. I dare right. you. Br- Bruce has 45 minutes today and two hours tomorrow. We'll see if we hear from him before I wrap up the huddle for 2023. Reggie, to you and yours, if I don't hear from you tomorrow and talk to you tomorrow, have a really happy holidays. Thank you for all your support and phone calls of the huddle and 1061 ESPN, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, there goes Reggie. He's he's one of the really good guys. I love that take. Eric Bieniemy to San Diego. We had talked the other day that maybe, you know, Bill Belichick is indeed out in New England and he wants to keep coaching, that that might be his number one choice if San Diego, if well, Los Angeles, the Chargers, we still call them San Diego, but it's Los Angeles Chargers, um, if, if they would want him. But um, Eric Bieniemy makes an awful lot of sense to me going out to the West Coast. That That's a really interesting one. All right, almost 5.15. Let's keep it rolling on a Tuesday afternoon here on 106.1 ESPN. NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. We've heard. love that we play all this Christmas music as we come back from the commercial breaks, but I could just let the music play. I, I love Christmas music instead of just kind of talking over it. Um, anyway, welcome back to the Sports Out. I don't want to dawdle around too much here. Uh, we did kind of uh, gloss over a little bit um, our, our headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, call James River Air for a free home, in-home consultation. Check them out online at jamesriverair.com. As I mentioned, we're just rolling through this 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Alan's producing this afternoon. He was at the bowl game yesterday, the Old Dominion game, so we're going to bring him back in our conversation here probably after the bottom of the hour break. Speaking of bowl games, we got another one on the air for you tonight. A little bit on the late side. It's the 9 o'clock game. It's the first Frisco Bowl tonight, the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl. I've never heard of Scooter's Coffee, and I'm a coffee guy, so maybe this is money well spent for them. Now I've heard of Scooter's Coffee. Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl tonight. Um, Texas San Antonio, which is 8-4, and four, against Marshall, which is 6-6. Six and six. I'm not, I guess I'm going to say it again to be a broken record. I don't like 6-6 six and six teams. In bowl games, they finish with losing records, and that's a bad look. Anyway, that one's at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas, which is also the home of the FCS National Championship game uh, coming up here in a few weeks. But we'll have that bowl game for you tonight at uh, 9 o'clock. All right, 20 after 5, Tuesday afternoon. Let's go back to the phones. Roger, thanks for hanging on. How are you? All right, yourself, and Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you. Merry yep. Christmas to you as well. Yeah, I was listening to what Reggie was saying and about Eric being in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, 
the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs would not even be in a conversation if their receivers could catch the ball. <laughs> but that, that has nothing to do with coaching. Uh, they, they would have probably just two losses. Now it's the first game of the season, and the, I think the loss to Denver. But if Valdez Scanlon would have caught the ball against the Eagles, they would have won. If Kadarius Tony would have caught anything and would have stayed on side, that would have been another victory that they would have won. Now, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, and if the San Diego Chargers are going to be calling me, he's going to the same situation. He got a defense that can't stop anybody. He's going to go to an off team with an offensive line that's probably just as bad as Washington. And the only thing he has is a, right now, I would say an overrated quarterback. But he does have a stud receiver in Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. So would you just want to trade places and go just to another state and deal with the same problem? Or well, would you at least you got a year under your belt in Washington and and if he's the main guy, then at least he got one year experience. If if they were gonna offer him the head coaching job in, in LA for the chart I know we all say San Diego in, in LA for the for the I think he's gotta take that. I mean he has you know, he's been been to the altar so many times and has been left hanging there, Roger, right? We've we've well documented however many interviews he's had and never gotten a head coaching job. I think he would have to take that. Certainly I'd put that ahead of staying staying in Washington where he's gonna get bypassed, right? He's gonna get over he's not gonna be the head coach in Washington. I don't know how that that would work to keep him on as offensive coordinator. And look, I'm not so sure he. they haven't been great offensively under him in D.C. I think if he gets the opportunity, he's got to take this one. Well, again, I mean, the offensive line was a problem for the mm. past three to four years. Yeah. But I'm just saying if Washington offer him, you're saying that they're not even going to consider him. I don't. I well, they, they may consider, consider. They may consider him, but it's my belief that, that the new ownership is going to bring in their own guy. Oh, okay, but like I said earlier, who's out there that's available? Who's out there that's available? You know, you, a lot of these offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators become head coaches, and they're terrible. Correct. They're terrible. I do agree with you on that. Well, right. uh, virtually anybody is available. You know that. I mean, in this day and age, anybody could make a jump. Now, but it, re- realistically, yeah. 75% of the guys that we're going to make aren't available. I, I get what you're saying. But I think they'll wait and see who really does become available. Maybe a guy who's been a head coach, who's been a long time. I, I don't know, but I just don't think they're going with Biennemi as their head coach. I don't. Well, I, I, I would hope they would consider him because, again, someone that just has a year under his belt in Washington um, knows the guys. And I do agree, you know, the receivers are – Oh, he's too hard on me. I mean, come on, you're a grown man, you know? Yeah, right. Now, get, now, going to get to the Eagles. Again, coaching. If you're up four and you're under a minute, why do you let the guy get behind you? I don't know. I you don't know? know. I don't get it. I'm with you on that. I, Roger, 92 I, I would, yards. I mean, they couldn't have been in a worse situation. 92 yards. Give me a break. What, what, I, what I would have done, instead of having rushing four linemen, mm-hmm. I would have rushed three and put another safety back there. Okay. And you tell him, do not let anyone get behind you. Yeah. And if you do, you will be immediately released. <laughs> And you know because what? It, it, you shouldn't even have to tell them that. They, they these are professional football. They should know that. 
It's yeah, basic but, defense 101, and they failed at it miserably. But you know what? I was having a conversation with my brother about that. I believe that these players have incentives um, late in contracts where if you make five interceptions, you'll get an extra million dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And instead of these guys playing team-winning football, they play individual-type mm-hmm. football. And I think that goes back to coaching. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you got a young corner that's 23, 24, 25, that's probably a little bit on the selfish side, and I probably would be that way too at that age, I- I'm going to go for the money. Yeah. And I'm going to go for the ball, and I'm going to miss. And, exactly. Yeah. But if you put something in the contract and say, look, if we win 12 games and we all make the playoffs, guess what? That money that you get as an individual, you'll still get the same thing, but you'll get it as a team goal instead mm-hmm. of as an individual goal. I wish it all worked that way. That that would that would make the game, the product, well, a lot better. It really would. But look, Shohei Otani, he did it. You see how much he's giving back? I know. Sixty-eight million a year. He's given back. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, it can be done, but I don't it, know yes. if anybody would think about it. Yep, yep. It can be done, but we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. I just so basically what you're saying. I got to run here in a second. If he had both the Washington and Chargers job in his hands, you would right. suggest he takes the Washington job. Well, I mean, it's going to be up to him. But I, I, I would say at least he knows yeah. what he has already. Yep. You know, and then you got the new owners that say, "Hey, look, we're willing to give you a shot," yep. instead of him going to San Diego, and then you don't know what Spanos is going to do after two years. I yep. mean, look what he did to Anthony Lynn. Yep. You know, I, Anthony I, Lynn had had winning seasons, but they mm-hmm. just didn't make the playoffs. You could convince me of that, but I, I just don't think Washington's going to go that direction. But if they did, probably makes more sense for him to stay right where he is and knows the guys and has some things in place. Uh, that I would agree with you on, Roger. I yeah, would. and just yep. build that offensive line. Yeah, that's where it starts, in the trenches. Yep. Roger, yep. thanks. Have a happy holiday if I don't talk to you tomorrow, and uh, we'll we'll catch up back in 2024. All right, young man, you do the same. Thanks. All right, Roger. Young man, you do the same as well. I don't think either one of us are young men, but what the heck? I'll take that at the holiday season. Um, all right, 804-327-0888 is our number. It's also our text line. Love to hear from you in the last half hour or so. We'll get to the break at the bottom of the hour, and I do want to bring uh, Alan back into the conversation. He joined us. as uh, producing this afternoon, other side of the glass, as we like to say, in the producer's booth. Uh, that's a long way from where I am today because I'm hosting remotely. Um, and talk a little more about his experience at the at the bowl game yesterday with Old Dominion and, um, you know, the loss to, to Western Kentucky. And maybe also uh, fill us in a little bit of what we've got coming up, Alan, in, in terms of bowl games and how folks might be able to find our bowl schedule because this is going to continue through the next couple of weeks and all the way through the college football playoff and the national championship as well. All right, just about 5.30. Alan will join me on the other side of the break. You can join us as well, 804-327-0888. The other number that's important, 1061 ESPN. We just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN. Just like the one I think it's cold enough out there that it could be a white 
couple days before Christmas, other than the fact that there wasn't a cloud in the sky all day, and I don't think there's supposed to be for the rest of the week. I think we have just about zero chance of having a white Christmas, and I'm not a big snow guy anymore, having grown up in the Northeast and gone to school up in the Northeast and getting my first job out of college way up in New England in the Northeast. I think I've had my share of snow. I know it would look nice. Maybe just a light dusting on Christmas morning and then it'd be gone, kind of like the one we had a week or so ago. That would that would be about it for me and wishing for a white Christmas. Uh, the rest of it, I'm, I'm ready for green grass and warm temperatures already again. All right, last half hour of the show today, 804-327-0888. Let me bring our guy Allen back into the conversation. We started the show today talking about the uh, bowl game down in Charlotte. He attended that game. Allen, I, I guess you're only there for the day and, and for the game, but did you get any kind of vibe? on the experience that you think it was for these teams. I know we ridicule bowl games a lot, particularly, you know, the myriad of quote-unquote meaningless bowl games, but I contend all the time to the players, to the coaches, to the families, it, it's not meaningless. It is it is meaningful to them, and it can be a really good experience whether you're playing for a national championship or you're playing in one of these nondescript bowls. So I just wonder um, if you had any kind of vibe on, you know, how the whole experience was. More, Western Kentucky obviously feeling a lot better about it today, but even for um, Old Dominion and what they experienced. I think the players, um, ODU players, were into the game early uh, Western Kentucky definitely was flat, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure when they were down like 28 nothing or 28 seven, there was a, a huddle and a very spirited talk from their coach, and I'm pretty sure he basically told them we came too far to just lay down. Um, but um, the fans, the fans on both sides were in it the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, even when Western Kentucky was down a lot, I, I didn't notice any energy change from their fans. So I'm a little bit curious here, and and Matt kind of assumed the same thing about maybe Western Kentucky wasn't all that into it. You said they were flat. Maybe Old Dominion had something to do with it. But I'm kind of curious why. I mean, it's not like they they were battling for first place in Conference USA and they were missing out on, you know, a New Year's Day ball. I mean, that was Liberty and, and pretty much nobody else. I mean, I know New Mexico State w- was close to them, but Western finished, you know, upper middle of the pack in the conference. Why wouldn't they have been spirited and excited to go to a bowl game and try and get an eighth win? I'm a little bit, and I know they didn't have their quarterback. I know he had already said he was going to, you know, sit this one out in hopes of getting drafted and all of that, but I'm a little bit confused why we're saying that Western Kentucky wouldn't have been interested in playing this bowl game. Well, I'm very confident in saying that it was because Turner Helton was not good. Yeah, I get it. Well, <laughs> like, because like, he I, didn't start out good, right? Yeah, I, get I think that. it was. I think it was a collective, um, a collective idea that they just couldn't win with this guy at quarterback. Because the minute Velt Camp came in, there was a drastic shift in body language, approach to the game, and just overall energy level on Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think it was Helton. And, again, the, the two turnovers in the very beginning going down 14-0 were, were very simple mistakes that you just wouldn't expect out of a, a Division One college football player. Yeah, and, I mean, I get it from the old Dominion staff. I mean, they were playing for a winning record. I'm beating a dead horse there. I won't keep doing that. But they were, 
And, you know, that program has had its struggles, and they're trying to make their way back. And they, you know, had a good run in the conference, right? They were 5-3 and three in the conference, and this was, a, you know, a great opportunity for them, um, you know, to, to finish with, with a winning record, and, and it didn't happen. But I, like I said, I, we won't follow Western Kentucky all that much, maybe a little bit more now because they played Old Dominion, right, and see what their quarterback situation winds up being. And if he really does um, come out of the transfer portal and stay at Western Kentucky, because his quotes after the game were glowing about the team, like he loved his teammates, he was so happy to be a part of it, and he wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else if he's the quarterback and not the tight end. Yeah, I, I don't get the uh, feeling that, like I think it was a twofold thing. Like he wanted to win the game, he wanted to play for his teammates, he wanted to play for the team, and he also wanted to play for himself, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it builds his his um, portfolio essentially. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think it was ODU not wanting to win. I felt like they were into it. No. The fans were into it, and um, and it's it's just one of those unfortunate things that you see in sports where teams get big leads and they squat on the league lead. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll be honest with you, Bob. Like it was twenty eight nothing, and I was already making plans. <laughs> I was like <laughs> this is gonna be a blowout. I mean, it was twenty eight nothing earlier, twenty eight seven. Like it just. The flow of the game was so pro ODU, I just knew that it was going to be over by halftime. And I said to myself, well, if they get to 35 by a half, it's definitely over. And I really feel like looking back on my notes and looking back at the game, if they had got one more, just one more touchdown, if they'd went up just one more touchdown um, throughout that game when they were up 28-7, I think that really would have put um, Western Kentucky away. Mm-hmm. But Again, you know, we see it all the time. They let them hang around. You're down 14. You get a turnover. Then you get another quick score. And, um, you know, if you look at the time of possession, Western Kentucky was never not driving the ball. So yeah. they always had confidence. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's a great point. That that really is. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said there. And, um, hey, I was making plans, too, when it was 28 nothing. <laughs> My plans were for Behind the Web to start right on time at 6 o'clock. And when they went to the extra session, ooh, we were squirming a little bit. Uh, kudos to Mitchell Bradley, who was on site last night, of course, as our former uh, sports director, program director, and his ability to help. Uh, and Lewis in the station juggling some things around so that we were able to bring the conclusion of that game to those that were listening and then a full hour of Behind the web talking richmond basketball which was a great show last night because of our guest isaiah bigelow and a great huge crowd at world of beer they were in a holiday festive mood and they they stuck it out and watched and listened to the end of the bowl game and then went into the spider basketball talk so it all it all worked out well for everybody really except old dominion last point on this game and then uh we'll get the break in and finish up here for a tuesday afternoon i had mentioned that this bowl game um was a temporary home in Charlotte. Charlotte has other bowl games still to go, but this one was a temporary home because this is the old Bahamas Bowl, and I shouldn't say old because the Bahamas Bowl hasn't been around that long, and I'm pretty sure that's where Old Dominion got its its first bowl victory and an only bowl victory was in the Bahamas Bowl some years ago, but the stadium down there in Nassau was being renovated. They couldn't host the game. Wound up in Charlotte, I guess just this year right now. I guess it'll go back to the Bahamas, and you had told me off air, if it had been in the Bahamas, you were finding a way to get there too weren't you i 100 percent was going to call a friend I, I have a friend who <laughs> works for the airlines and I, i'm afforded one buddy pass like one like you know you can go anywhere within 
you know, the United States and Bahamas, Jamaica, you know, something like that. I was going to call it in, man. I was definitely going to do it. I heard that, you know, in the Bahamas Bowls, they don't really check your tickets either. You kind of just walk in. That's what people were saying. <laughs> well, that's the Bahamas for you, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But I can tell you, Charlotte was not letting you just walk in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would hope not. I mean, and they know how to do things at, at Charlotte. Like I said, they've they've uh, they've hosted plenty of bowl games and and conference championship games as well. But you know, as much as I want to pump up Charlotte, going to the Bahamas that would have been that would have been a pretty sweet deal, right? Yeah, and I I want to <laughs> thank thank you guys and uh, behind the web and University of Richmond because you know they didn't have to. They didn't have to do that, um, but you know, as sports director, you're running your first bowl game. You've hyped up Virginia bowl teams, and and you get 19 seconds left. You're like, oh, they'll get this stop. They'll get this stop, and and they score and go into overtime. I was panicking too. Yeah, we were. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think we. I would have. I'm give a little inside radio here. You finish what you start on yeah. the air, um, if you can at all help it. That, that you don't cut out of a game because somebody's listening and in tune. With, and it was a state team in this case. You know, maybe it would have been one of these other bowl games. Maybe like tonight's bowl game that would. You know, no state allegiance. Maybe we would have cut out. But I think that's still a really hard thing to do when you're in a tight game, a tie game, going into overtime. Um, you got to respect the game that's on before you get to the next event and. Uh, everybody was on board with it last night. There was a lot of conversation in the restaurant about it. Even Chris Mooney chimed in on that, and he was like, I'm fine waiting. You know, like He's like, wait a minute. I don't want to get blamed for cutting away from a game when like the game-winning field goal is being kicked. It was stressful. Or something. It was yeah, stressful. so it, it was. But it was valuable lessons learned for all of us and how to handle that moving forward. And when we try and cram as much good programming into our programming day, that's bound to happen from time to time. So I think we made everybody happy last night. And again, if it wasn't for the really good work, uh, Mitchell on location, particularly who has been doing it for years, um, was able to do it. And Lewis back at the station doing what he needed to do. Um, it all worked out well last night. And you got to see it as it turned out uh, a great game. And yes, by the way, old dominions bowl win was in the Bahamas bowl in 2016. They beat Eastern Michigan 24 to 20. They'd actually been to a couple of really good places. Again, not that Charlotte isn't, uh, Alan, but Bahamas Bowl in 2016, and then a couple of years back in 21, they played in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So that's not too bad either. That's that's pretty cool for them. Yeah, yeah. So that's been good. And like I said, I have a little bitter taste in my mouth today. I guess probably because of the Eagles, but I also feel really disappointed for Old Dominion that they couldn't hold that lead and get a winning record and get their seventh win. And I do think it's going to leave a bitter taste in their mouth through the off season, and we'll see how they use that. If they use it as good motivation and you know spur them forward, great. Um, but I do think there's some some disappointment that I guess will evaporate with time. But I would say in the aftermath, and you probably know it better than me, being there after that game ended, um, there's probably a little bit of a bad aftertaste from that game, wouldn't you think? Yeah, but it's a learning experience for the for the team and the coach, man. Next mm-hmm. time, you just just got to keep playing. No game is ever safe until the last whistle. Uh, especially when you're you're playing explosive spread offenses, you can never give up in, in yep. college football. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, good stuff. Uh, let's get the last break in here. We'll come back and finish it up again. We do have um, the Frisco Bowl coming up tonight. And then if you go to our website at ESPNRichmond.com, right, Alan, we're, we're listing the bowl games that we got coming up. Yes, and there's a typo on the Frisco Bowl. It's not at 6 p.m. It's at 9 p.m. Oh, That's yeah, my, right. my yep. big fingers hitting the wrong button. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll have the Frisco Bowl, and we've got bowl games all the way through until they stop on the 23rd. Awesome.
uh, our holiday present to our listeners. Uh, as you're doing that Christmas shopping, you can listen to bowl games. I love that. I particularly love the afternoon ones during the week, not only because it helps us with a little bit of time off for us, but I just think it's a good feel, good holiday feel to have those bowl games. I mean, I'm still a disgruntled fan with all the guys that are backing out of them, not playing. I don't, I don't like that at all. Um, it makes them out to be you know, more of the exhibition that they've kind of turned into other than the college football playoffs. So uh, I hope as many of the star players play as possible, but I know that's kind of an unrealistic goal at this point. All right, quarter to six, one more break and one more segment, and we'll finish it up for a Tuesday afternoon and evening. You're in tune with the Sports Huddle, 106.1 ESPN. Home for the Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Now I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Finishing up on a Tuesday afternoon. Bob Black with you. Sports Huddle continues 106.1 ESPN. A little college basketball talk to finish it up. Matt and I talked about Virginia playing tonight against Memphis. Uh, that's kind of a must-see game, as we were talking about. Not so much with JMU. They'll look to um, remain one of the uh, few. I'm going to look real quick. I keep saying few. Unbeaten teams left in uh, Division One. right? Houston is 11-0. Oklahoma is 10-0. JMU is 9-0. Are they the only three remaining unbeaten? So I think they might be at this point. How amazing is that? Hey, Bob. Yeah. Uh, if I can, um, one of our callers, I think it was uh, Chris, had said something about, you know, the VCU game. I would, I would, if I was a UVA fan or I would warn UVA fans not to do that comp, VCU is a lengthy team. I think their, their build is a little bit different than UVA. And I think that length is what gave uh, them somewhat of an advantage or made it tough for Memphis. Oh, oh, oh you're comparing what Memphis did with VCU yeah. to what Memphis can do with UVA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. That game went overtime that VCU lost to Memphis at the Siegel Center. I like Virginia tonight. I really do. I, I know Memphis is good and all that, but I like Virginia's chances tonight. So, um, yes, I, w- I would agree with that. Uh, Virginia 23 in the net, by the way, just in case you're, you're – and James Madison at 26 in the net at, at uh, 9-0. and But the Dukes, one of three. I think I'm right about that. I'm scrolling real quick, but the further down I go, the more confident – oh, wait a minute, Ole Miss. Ole Miss must play a terrible schedule because they are 10-0 and and they're 62 in the net. So six of their wins have come against quad four um, opponents. That's a whole other discussion I want to get into. And I've had some fascinating conversation with Coach Mooney and with some other basketball people about scheduling and how difficult it's become and things that you can do to schedule as good as you can so that you have a good net ranking when it comes time to get to late February and and into into March and into March Madness. So we'll get into that as as the college basketball season moves on a little bit. But I the one thing I did want to mention, and I feel like we do this every year. We look at the Atlantic Ten. You know, the ACC. We we, we think they're going to be you know pretty well represented. Um, come NCAA tournament time, and I realize this is only December nineteenth and not March nineteenth at this point. Um, but starting to get interested in it at this point. And the A ten has done okay. Um, could do a little better to this point, but the the A10 has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams 
in the top 100. Now, 100's not getting you into the NCAA tournament, but it probably, on December 19th, keeps you in the discussion moving forward. Maybe not. I mean, there are some teams with five losses already, meaning Richmond and VCU, but they're in the top 100. Richmond's at 89, and VCU is at 94, and they both should win their two remaining non-conference games um, before they get to conference play. Richmond has two teams that have not won a Division One game yet this season. Uh, and look, I'm, I'm doing play-by-play for Richmond, and I'm going to tell you, they, they will win these they, these last two games. They better win. Um, you know, meaning Thursday against Buffalo, which is one and nine, and their one win is against the non D one, and then after the break on December thirty, Lafayette, which is one and ten, and their one win is a non division one win also. Now, stranger things have happened in college athletics. We just got done talking about it with Allen about a team having a twenty eight point lead in a football game and still losing when everybody figured it was a done deal. So it it's possible. The, the Spiders have not lost at home, and they got two teams coming in that have basically not won a game yet this season. They um, have won one non-Division one game on their ledge. It could happen, but certainly the Spiders will be prohibitive favorites. And likewise for VCU, they have Maryland Eastern Shore on Friday night and then Gardner-Webb on December 30th. And then, you know, so both the city teams – Hopefully, we'll be eight and five going in to conference play, and it's an interesting conference start. VCU opens at home against St. Bonaventure on Wednesday night, January third, and then the Bonnies, I assume, are going to stay right here in the capital city and take up some residency because they're going to play at Richmond on that Saturday afternoon, January sixth at four o'clock. So, if you're St. Bonaventure and the league is sending you to both Richmond. And VCU, that's the way to do it. As tough as those games would be, play them back-to-back, especially when classes aren't in session, so you can just stay here. Your travel is much easier. And, of course, with Mark Schmidt at the helm, you don't put anything past him. He's done it before. He's come down here and swept Richmond and VCU, and he could he could certainly do it again. So that's an interesting start for the Bonnies to come to both VCU and Richmond on that opening weekend. The Spiders actually get one of their two Atlantic 10 midweek buys to start the season. I got to ask coach Mooney about that how 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 he feels about that cuz I know they always look to those bye games as a time to kind of regroup and and figure some things out amongst themselves and here they're going to do it with plenty of time because this has been a light schedule for the last uh, couple of weeks because of exams like everybody else and yet you get your one of your two midweek Atlantic 10 buys before you even get started and then they should be well prepared for the Bonnies coming into the Robin Center on Saturday afternoon um January 6th. All right, so the Atlantic 10 has Dayton at 8-2. and two. St. Joe has probably been the pleasant surprise of the conference at 9-2. and two. Duquesne, George Mason, both 8-2. and two. The Bonnies that we just talked about are 7-3. and three. Uh, UMass, I'm still not really a believer in UMass, but they are 6-2. and two. And then Richmond and VCU both at 6-5 and five to round out the teams uh, inside the top 100 in the early net. And then... Um, Below that, Davidson, George Washington, LaSalle, and they just haven't played a very good schedule, but LaSalle is 8-3, and three, uh, so they got to be feeling pretty good about that. Uh, Loyola, St. Louis has been the disappointment to this point in the Atlantic 10. Uh, Fordham and Rhode Island bringing up uh, the bottom teams in the Atlantic 10 right now. So just a, a little bit of a recap 
of of Atlantic 10 basketball with a couple of more non-conference games to go and then the start of conference play. And we're looking forward to it. We do have spider games for you. We'll have Thursday night's game, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock against Buffalo. Robert Fish and Matt Smith will be on the call on that one. Greg Beckwith and I will be over on the TV side on Masson again, 6.30 airtime here on 1061 ESPN. All right, one more show to go tomorrow. We'll do the midweek edition of the Sports Huddle. It's also our last show of 2023, Spider Game on Thursday night, and then we begin the holiday break on Friday, and we got college football bowl games for you, and, of course, on the air when the Spiders play. Alan, other side of the glass over there, well done. Glad you had a great trip down there to Charlotte and great hustle to get back to the RVA and to be producing for Matt and me uh, this afternoon. To do. Thanks to Matt. He was around with us in the 4 o'clock hour today as well, along with Jonathan McNamara from the American Red Cross and our JMU guy. Had some great conversation with him as well. We do it all over again tomorrow. Jamie King and the Sports King at 7. Big Al with Sports Phone from 8 to 10. Our ESPN programming middle of the day. And then Matt Josephs at 3 with Border to Border. And I'll wrap it up for you uh, with the final 2023 edition of the Sports Huddle tomorrow afternoon from 4 until 6 o'clock. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy some of the college basketball. Check out that UVA Memphis game, and we'll talk about it tomorrow on the Sports Huddle at 4 o'clock on 106.1 ESPN. Thanks for calling Discovery.